Hello and welcome to In The Loop, a podcast by Cowita Fayette EMC. Thank you for tuning into our fourth episode where we're going to discuss how our linemen help to empower rural communities through international electrification. We have Richard Davis on the podcast with us today. Uh, Richard, if you could, could you uh, provide us with uh, your position and you know some details about how long you've been here at the co-op? Sure. I'm right away supervisor. Um, I've been in this position since March of 2016. Most of my experience has been outside, uh, you know, doing the line maintenance, construction, so forth. Um, so that's the majority of my background is on the construction side. Um, I've been I've been here over 30 years, nearly 34 years now. So it's been a minute. As we all know, I mean, this to me, as working at a co-op, April is Lyman Appreciation Month. Richard, if you could, could you explain what is the NRACA International Electrification Program? That's a program that NRACA initiated several years back. Um, I think it's been over 30 years. But what they do is they seek out volunteers. Um, they partner with other cooperatives. They set them up in foreign countries. Uh, Africa is a big stage for them. Central America, South America is getting to be a big, a bigger stage for them. Um, but what they do is they go out, they find a community, they establish some contacts through NRACA in these countries. Then they find volunteers to go down and build a power line to a village um, or some places. I mean, I don't even know that that would be a good description of them, but you know, you go down and you build the lines from ground up. Uh, set poles, strain the wire, energize it, and then you know you've got lights to people that have never had it. You just touched base on the fact that it's a voluntary program. Could you tell us why you volunteered? Oh yeah, uh, I mean, I was raised. My grandfather and my grandparents. I lived with them for a while when I was younger. But my grandfather always raised me to to believe that you you know you do your best to help out people that don't have it as good as you do. So. It was a good fit for me. Um, it fits right into what the cooperative ideals are. You know, they, it's a different situation than this 20 hour. You, you got a different relationship. It's a lot more intimate from between the co-ops and the members. So it was a good fit for me. Okay. What projects have you participated in? I've been in three of them. I was in uh, Costa Rica in 2006. We partnered with uh, the cooperative there, which is Copa Guanacaste. Then uh, I went back in 2012 again with Copaguana Costa, and we went to Playoste and all, um, and we built a section of line there. And most recently, it was 2018, I went to Bolivia. I had uh, 10 other linemen with me, and, and we uh, we stayed in a village, and the name was, it's actually a town. Tiraki is the name of the town, but the projects were several miles away. One was San Isidro, and one was Murmitani. Um, but we built lines and secondaries and all and, and got that going for those folks. You mentioned you had 10 linemen with you. Were they all the linemen from our co-op or is it linemen from you know, various co-ops across the state of Georgia? Various co-ops across the state. Um, every project, I've had a couple of linemen or at least one more with me from our co-op. Talk about a little bit about the Bolivia project. What was the work conditions like there compared to you know, back here at home? Bolivia's the toughest that we've done, that I've ever done. Um, most of the projects are similar to weather that we get here. Um, 
so the weather's not that big of an issue. You get humidity in Costa Rica, you get summertime conditions in the winter. Uh, Bolivia was tough. We were in the mountains, we were in the Andes. I've, I've shared with you before that I've hunted out west at 9,000, 10,000 feet, and that's not too bad. You can acclimate pretty quick, but you get over 13,000, it took us about three days to get acclimated to what we were doing, and then it, it just, it was up and down. You know, we're not used to that here. Um, there's not a whole lot to condition you for the thin air. Uh, you can get accustomed to the terrain, you know, endurance-wise, but you can't do anything for oxygen, lack of it. I'm sure it was a shock stepping off the plane. You're like, wait a minute. Oh, things, things feel a little bit different here. Right. We got off the airplane within minutes of stepping off the airplane. The airport in La Paz is one of the highest in the world. Uh, it's over 13,000. I think it's right at 13.3. Could you tell us what was like the most memorable moment from your trip? Or it, it could be anyone. What stood out the most? The people are always uh, at the top of the list. I've never run across anybody that uh, was more thankful, uh, that was more appreciative for what we were doing. But it's, it's always the people, but the most gratifying thing is to actually turn the lights on and to see the lights and the bulbs burning. Um, it's just, uh, it's probably one of the most humbling experiences in, in, in your life, in my life especially. And I would say it's second only probably to having a kid. I can only imagine. I know I get aggravated when I flip a switch and the light doesn't come on immediately. Exactly. Uh, so I can only uh, imagine, you know, how grateful they are and the overall impact that these projects have had on, you know, making their life easier. Um, if there was one thing you would want our members to know about the, you know, the International Electrification Program, what would that be? In my opinion, it's probably one of the best programs that NRACA sponsors. Um, like I said before, it falls right in line with cooperative values. Uh, Y'all know here we've got Operation Roundup. Um, we do a lot of stuff in the communities, so it, it falls right in line with what the core beliefs are for the cooperatives, um, and especially Calgary Feds, because there's, we're so member-oriented. It's extremely humbling. Um, it's, it's very rewarding. And I, I mean, I would recommend it for anybody that, that has a desire to go see what it's about or has any interest at all in it. Richard, I appreciate you joining us on the podcast today and, uh, you know, providing us with your experience, uh, you know, working internationally. And uh, I just want to say thank you for volunteering and helping out, you know, and actually being an embodiment of what, you know, our goals and stuff here at the cooperative is, and that is to, to help people any way in which we can. So thank you. Appreciate you just heard from Richard Davis. Now follow along as we talk with Jody Hand about his own experiences working overseas. Uh, Jody, if you could, could you provide us, you know, with your position and how long you've been with the co-op and what you do here? Sure. I have been with the co-op in May will be 29 years. Um, I manage the overhead construction and the right-of-way department. Um, Jody, as being a lineman for you know so many years, we all know that, or you know, that April is Lineman Appreciation Month. In this episode, we're talking about you know International Electrification Program. If you could, could you inform our members, what is the NRECA International Electrification Program? Yes, this is a project that... Uh, put together through the NRECA um, and with the Georgia Co-ops. Most of these projects have been done in Central America. We're now moving a little bit into South America. Uh, basically, where we're going in and building power lines and electrifying uh, homes to people who have never had power. 
Jody, how are the cooperatives notified about the current international projects that are about to take place? So most of the projects that we are involved in are through uh, the Georgia co-ops. Um, here at Cowboy Defend, our CEO, Chris Stevens, is heavily involved in this. So um, he's part of putting these projects together. Uh, Chris actually has gone to many of these uh, different co-ops that we go to help uh, and look at the projects before we go down. So um, once that's done and the project's put together, then, uh, you know, Chris and, and his people put out um, the projects and the different co-ops can jump in to, to say who, who's, who's willing to help and, and who can't this time. So this is a statewide program. So it's not just Cowboy to Fayette uh, that is participating. There are other co-ops in the state of Georgia that participate in this program. Absolutely. Uh, several co-ops in the state of Georgia. Um, and I'm not sure how many are involved or have been involved, but I know that I've worked with probably people from five different co-ops on the projects that I've been on. So uh, there's a lot of co-ops involved. So when a project is presented, um, and you know, they're asking for volunteers. Is it, I mean, is it literally completely voluntary or is it, you know, or is it something you're assigned and you're like, Hey, you know, I got to go to this location because this is what was presented. No, absolutely. It's, it's completely voluntary. We've had, um, from Cowboy to Fed, we've had several people go several different places, uh, at several different times. Jody, considering it's optional, why did you decide to volunteer? To put myself out there. So when 2008 rolled around and they had a project come up, I decided that it was time that I tried this. Um, so I went 2008 and I enjoyed it so much that another project in the same area came up 2011 and I went back. What, what, what area did you go to uh, in particular? So I went to Guatemala and we worked in Playa Grande, Iscot. That's a mouthful. That is. How was the project organized, or better yet, what exactly was the project itself? So the first project in Guatemala 2008 was a five-mile single-phase primary line that they wanted to get built um, to Playa Grande, which is a community that actually had power there, but they had power off a generator. So they were only allowed to run the generator because of cost three hours a day. So in this time, they had a substation and we were going to build a five mile line to connect that substation to that community so that they could have 24 hour power. So, you know, I understand that's the end goal. How many, how many people benefited from that project? There was 250 homes, 1,250 people that we electrified by building that project. I'm sure that was a life changing event for them. I mean, actually having the opportunity to have electricity all day instead of, you know, just three hours, I'm sure it'd be, that would change, you know, it's got to be an enlightenment. I mean, literally. Sure. Um, however, when we think about getting power, of course, we think about not only having lights, but refrigeration, heat and air. Most of these houses that we're providing power to, um, they only have a light bulb. You know, they still don't have. However, it does open up the future for them to be able to have refrigeration, um, heat and air. So it's a, it's a starting point. So what was the typical work day like there? I mean, what, what, were the, what were the work conditions when you were, you know, there working on the project? 
So when we were there, we were there in the month, I believe it was in August, it would rain every night. So in the mornings, it would be humid, very, very hot. Um, typically eat some sort of breakfast that they would prepare for us. The only thing that I can remember that was really wildly off was one morning they brought cereal. I thought, mm, how are we going to eat this cereal? Because I know they didn't have pasteurized milk. Uh, we would go out. Um, everything there was something we're not used to. I mean, we had, we had to climb poles several times, but the, the equipment that we had to use or the equipment we didn't have was the hardest part for us. We had actually, um, we'd actually sent a crate full of materials, um, drills, hoist, stuff to build power lines, but it got hung up in customs. So we didn't have it when we got there. So we had to improvise and, um, it, it was a slow start, but once we got it figured out, we really rolled on with the project pretty quickly. When you were over there working, were you working a lot and working alongside, you know, linemen from the area or is it just you guys working with other, you know, other linemen from other co-ops? At first it was, um, we had three different co-ops there represented. Um, and at first we weren't working with the local linemen there. However, we realized that when we didn't have the tools we needed, they were much faster and experienced with the tools that we had to use. So we did bring them in and started working alongside of them and having them do some of the things that, that we weren't accustomed to doing. They were. And so they were much quicker than we were. Um, drilling holes, for example. We're accustomed to doing with drills. They're accustomed to doing it by hand. It was taking us a lot longer. So we got them to come in and they started drilling all the pole holes for us. And then we'd go back and start putting material up and hanging the wire. I'm sure you learned a lot from working with people that, you know, do processes a little bit different than we do back home. I'm sure like, you know, if a project were to take place here, you could take those skills and, you know, the experiences that you've had working with someone that had to work in a more, you know, primitive method, sure that that, you know, is beneficial here, uh, if, you know, in some situations. That's one of my thoughts, that, you know, came away from it. Um, what, what stood out most about the trip? Was it the, the conditions, the people, or just the overall project itself? No, I mean, the project itself was unique because of how we had to work. Um, you know, we, like I said, there was three different co-ops. We had to put our minds together to, to figure out how to get some of this done and not only get it done, but get it done in a safe manner. Um, but, you know, working around some of the people, um, their linemen there. Um, but some of the things that really stood out in my mind was not even dealing with the project itself, but the people from there. A lot of the co-ops would, would take things, coloring books, shirts, T-shirts, um, different things. And so we'd go to some of the schools that they would have and, and give this stuff out to the kids. And to see these kids getting something that we take for granted, something so little to us, it meant so much to them. You know, that's, that probably stood out in my mind more than than anything. It, when I got home, I actually want to take my own kids back down to show them just how good you really have it. It's true. I think sometimes we, we, we're a little spoiled here in the States and we forget about, you know, the, the conditions that other people have to live with uh, on a daily basis. 
So if there was one thing you would want our members to know about the NRSA International Electrification Program, what would that be? It's a really good project. It's a really good program. Um, it helps a lot of people out. As far as, you know, the way we actually go about raising our money um, is through Take Aim at Progress, which is uh, this year will be the 19th year of that. And it funds this program. Uh, Cowboy Defense portion of this is they pay their men their salary for that week or two weeks of their gone. So it's really a small part that they have to put in and uh, the projects are are well worth it to see these people getting something that we take for granted. Cool. Jody, I just want to say thank you for joining us on the podcast today and, you know, and informing us on what the program is and, you know, your experiences working internationally. Hopefully we'll have you back on another episode here in the near future.